Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have uh, a National Association of Minority Contractors, uh, Washington chapter, Bob Armstead on land, but we have uh, attorney Benjamin Crump, and he has had a fantastic victory again today. Attorney Benjamin Crump, share with our listeners what you accomplished today. Hey, Mr. Rye, it's so good to be able to share this breaking news with you all. You're sitting in the newspapers uh, today. The Massachusetts Supreme Court ruled in our favor in representing the black granddaughter of Papa Renty, the African slave, who he and his daughter were photographed in what is some of the earliest known photographs in existence in the world. And they were stripped down naked trying to show their inferiority. Well, these daguerreotypes are worth approximately $100 million. And the family was arguing that Harvard the, and the racist scientists who took these pictures do not have the right to have ownership of them. We have the right to have ownership of them. And so Harvard filed a motion to dismiss based on statute of limitations because it's been uh, over 170 years. But the Supreme Court ruled that Miss Lanier had a right to go forward to court. And this precedent-setting case may have an impact on the Henrietta Lacks litigation and all these other cases where black people are fighting for some aspect of reparation. Well, that's a tremendous victory. And that was, was that the Massachusetts Supreme Court that they had to have the ruling? Massachusetts Supreme Court, yes, sir. Okay, so now, so that does that mean that this family get access to the funds that's been made on this, or how does that work? Well, we think what's going to happen. So the court rules, sending it back to court. I don't think Harvard is ever going to let this case see a court of law. So what's likely to happen? Harvard is going to try to resolve the matter now. But if not, Mr. Rye. I will have the best time of my life arguing about how racist Harvard University was and how the court found vestiges of that racism still exists today. That's for sure. Now, you've got uh, two or three other significant things going, and i like to if you just take the time to share with our listeners some of those things that you're dealing with right now. And uh, we know that you are known as uh, African-Americans Attorney General. And if you look at all the cases you represented and won, and some of the people, oh, he don't have a chance. Well, that, you don't know Attorney Benjamin Crump. He, <laughs> so he can get in the courtroom, he has a chance. So why don't you just share with our listeners some of the, uh, some of the, uh, uh, let's see, what is the latest uh, 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 case you've undertaken? Well, right now we are working on multiple cases. We had a, a big case going with Henrietta Lacks. That is the case where uh, Oprah Winfrey made the movie about John Hopkins Hospital uh, stole her cells and trying to experiment to see how cells can reproduce outside the body. And that was 70 years ago. And miraculously, this black woman were the only living person whose cells did that at the time, and now 70 years later, they still reproduce it. Every pharmaceutical company in the world has used her sales. They've made billions and billions and billions of dollars, yet her black family hasn't made not one uh, red cent, keep it on, one red cent. And so okay. at this point now, the federal judge has not has said that she's not going to dismiss the case so we get to go on through that trial. And obviously, we're working on Patrick Loyola, the African who was uh, executed in Grand Rapids, Michigan, on video. So we believe uh, that right now we're finally making incremental progress. We still got a long way to go, but we're making incremental progress. And that's what I talk about on the Netflix documentary, the new movie uh, on my, on my uh, last 12 months. 2020-2021, where the uh, award-winning director, Nadia Hallgren, who directed Michelle Obama's Becoming, and the 
incredible producer, Kenya Barris, who created uh, the television show Blackish as well as America's Top Model and wrote the movie Girls Trip, had produced it, and it's called Civil, and it's on Netflix now, and it gives you a behind-the-curtain look at the life of uh, civil rights attorney Ben Crump during this global pandemic fighting for Breonna Taylor, Maude Aubrey, and George Floyd. And and that trailer is on Eddie Rye's Facebook page as soon as I got it yesterday. <laughs> so I want my listeners to know that too. Now we have a, a, just a couple of unique things happening here. And, uh, uh, you know, we've been hearing off and on about the Justice Department. Bob Armstead is the president of the National Association of Minority Contractors, the Washington chapter, had filed a complaint with uh, Christine Clark, uh, the Civil Rights Division of DOJ, and it had nine disparity studies, two private studies, all indicating that Blacks in Washington State were being discriminated against. We even had a letter uh, to Kristen Clark from our uh, uh, Congressman Adam Smith, who is the chair of the House Armed Services Committee, asking Kristen Clark and DOJ to look into this discrimination complaint, which he said was well-founded and deserved a review. Uh, DOJ sent it over to the Department of Transportation. Okay. <laughs> So I just, you know, I'm just saying, uh, uh, I know that there people have been uh, somewhat dissatisfied with uh, Attorney General Mary Garland. Uh, who has the decision-making authority when it comes down to discrimination in the Department of Justice? Well, that's certainly going to come to the uh, Attorney General and the Solicitor General. And we just have to keep the pressure on. You know, they, they always try to say our issues aren't that important until we show them how important they are and we have to continue to do that every day i wake up mr rye and i'm very sure what my mission is that is to be an unapologetic defender of black life black liberty and black humanity so that's what i'm fighting for every day and you know uh three weeks ago we had congresswoman maxine waters you guys sound like twins she said Eddie Rye, I wake up in the morning ready to fight because I know there's going to be some racism waiting on me. <laughs> and she's yep. absolutely right, and you are too. So uh, well, anyway, I would uh, I would just like to, if you got one more minute, I'd just like to have uh, Bob Armstead make a comment because we would like to have you look at this as well. Uh, and you're, and you're on civil, it says that it's just not when the police kill someone, it's the black farmers, the black businesses, and economic justice is very important as well. So let me have Bob Armstead make a comment to you, Attorney. Okay. Uh, yes, Attorney Crump, I, I would like to start by congratulating you on your victory today. And each time you have a victory, you give hope. And we are behind and support you in all your endeavors. Uh, very briefly, uh, 21 individual and organizations in the state of Washington filed a complaint with the Department of Justice. Uh, regarding uh, civil rights, uh, discrimination, and disparate impacts in Washington State. Uh, we had, oh, approximately 34, 36 supporting documents attached to our complaint. Uh, the vast majority, if not all of those documents, were documents prepared uh, either by the federal government or public agencies that are funded by the federal government, so none of the supporting documentation was our documentation, it was their documentation. And because we have such a short period of time here, I'll get right to it. The response that we got back from the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division was that uh, they had looked at the complaint and it did not appear to be something that they uh, was in their jurisdiction and that they were referring our complaint to the Department of Transportation. Uh, we responded back and thanked them for referring it to the Department of Transportation because most of the examples that we gave involved the Department of Transportation and agencies that the Department of Transportation funded. But it was our understanding that the Civil Rights Division was created at the Department of Justice to investigate civil rights complaints. So we're waiting to hear back from them uh, on that response. 
Well, let me know, Bob, and I, if I could do anything to encourage Christian Clark, I certainly will. I know Mr. Rye's daughter, Angela, and I uh, know Christian, and she has made some bold uh, steps, and so hopefully we can get her to chime in here. Okay? I'll send well, you thank a copy you, sir. of it, sir. I'll send you a copy of it. Okay. And okay. I know that God you got, you got a lot of people waiting on uh, waiting on you, and, and you're the busiest person in the, in America. And all I can say is thank God for you. We have, some, like Bob said, you keep hope alive. That was a kind of statement that Reverend Jackson used to make all the time. Uh, Attorney thank Benjamin sir. Trump keeps hope alive for African Americans. I, I want to thank, thank you, you very Mr. much Ryan. for your time, sir. And we got two freedom fighters going to be coming on after you. We have had a, a couple of a school board members censored for making derogatory statements and giving a black superintendent of a school district. God bless you. I got to go. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Attorney Trump. We appreciate your time. Okay. Uh, Bob, thank you very much, too. And I want you to hang on with us for a while to hear about what's happening over in in Pierce County. Uh, we have uh, Kim again. And uh, do we have uh, Ms. Tanisha? Is she on? Yeah, she's coming. She hasn't got on yet, but she okay. should be here shortly. Okay. So uh, you won a couple of weeks ago, right before the school board meeting on uh, June 13th. And there were some pretty shocking things that came out of that. So can you uh, enlighten, uh, first of all, let uh, our listeners know what that they didn't hear you two weeks ago, what the issue was, and then what happened at the school board meeting on the 13th? Okay, let me just give your listeners a little history. In the Clover Park School District, there is a school director by the name of Paul Wagaman, who um, shares the view of white ring, white supremacist thinking and is trying to disrupt public education in the Clover Park School District. So um, through that process, he felt with his supreme being that he could attack our African-American superintendent, Ron Banner. So through emails and other verbiage, both in person, he has made several racial slurs and uh, basically has uh, under undermined the leadership of Ron Banner, who, by the way, just got an award by the Washington State School Directors as being one of the outstanding superintendents in the state of Washington. So clearly, Paul Wagaman and his uh, evaluation of superintendent is totally out of line to what uh, Superintendent Banner is doing in that school district. However, uh, through the process of all that's been going through, Superintendent Banner decided to file a racial discrimination, harassment, intimidation, bullying against the the uh, the school director, Paul Wagaman. And that information was presented at the board meeting on June 13th. That evening was quite contentious. We even had to have two um, uniformed police officers in the room to keep things in order. Uh, myself as director of Vibrant Schools testified in support of Superintendent Ron Banner, and then also uh, expressed my disappointment and disgrace that we would have someone of Paul Wagaman's uh, character uh, in a public education policymaking position with the things that he said. And I mean, he's actually losing words like uh, the superintendent's a black pimp, that in the black community, it's okay to call women the B word. And uh, then he talks about brown and black children and why they aren't, why they're not uh, being successful because of our cultural backgrounds and things like that. And so definitely we've got to get him off that, off that board. He did get censured. That was official. He got censured uh, on the 13th. Now what we're working on in a community perspective is getting him recalled, getting him off the school board. In addition to that, uh, Dave Anderson just got uh, elected to the board and he shares the same mindset. So now we've actually got two, count them two, uh, supreme, uh, white supremacist thinking school board directors on the Clover Park School District. Fortunately, it's a five board uh, situation. So the other three board members uh, are thinking, you know, appropriately for all students and all staff in that, that school district. So what, what it comes down to pretty regularly is a three, two vote where the threes, they vote the way that things should be done to make sure that there's equitable educational services in the Clorpark School District, whereas Don, uh, Dave and, and uh, Paul vote against. So uh, our strategy now is, uh, is looking at trying to get them recalled, number one. Um, I believe that Ron Banner probably will probably move this into a, 
to a full lawsuit against him. He's he is now seeking full legal um you know, information and advice. So I'm not sure I, and I'm not speaking for Ron Banner. Let me be perfectly clear. This is my, just my analysis, but I'm just going to assume that's probably going to happen. In the meantime, we're looking at where, where are, where's the policy, the legal opportunities for us as community people to get these two people off the school board. And then to make sure when uh, we, if if we can't get them off, definitely for re-election, we need to run candidates in those positions to remove them through the the you know election election process. Kimmy, so I need you to hold on uh, because I gave Tanisha uh, 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 two thirty five time, and uh, my guest uh, Dr. Margaret Brown Payton and other folks. I want you to stand by. Okay, the International no problem. Association of Ministers' Wives and Ministers' Widows are having their international conference in Bellevue starting on Sunday. So if Nels Nell Thornton on is. Uh, the uh, local president and uh, campaign coordinator, Nell Thornton, are you on? Yes, I am, Eddie. And also, I see we got Dr. Margaret Brown Payton on. And do we have uh, do we have uh, Ms. Janine uh, Daniels? Is she on? Vice President Daniels. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Nell, you're going to go ahead and since you're uh, hosting the uh, uh, conference at Bellevue, why don't you go ahead and set the example and then tell us a little bit about. Uh, uh, our president, Dr. Payton, and also the vice president, uh, Dr. Daniels. Uh, Eddie, uh, thank you for the time. Uh, just want to say a few things. Uh, our president, the illustrious Dr. Margaret B. Payton, is from Richmond, Virginia, and uh, she is our, our sitting president. Vice President at large, Janie Daniels, is with her. She's usually not far away, and she is from Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, the city of brotherly love, and I think she says sisterly affection. And of course, I'm Nell Thornton, and here, Seattle, I'm the local Seattle chair, uh, uh, Seattle chair uh, president, as well as Washington Ministers Wise and Widows President, and I am the chairperson for the area. We welcome the 81st convention of the International Ministers Wise and Widows to Seattle. It's been 35 years since they were here in April of 1987. That is my introduction. Why don't you just give us information about uh, the conference itself before we go to Dr. Payton and to Dr. Daniels. Okay, our conference will start on uh, the 25th of June, which is this Saturday. And we will start off on Saturday and uh, continue on Sunday. We have a 10 o'clock a.m. service at the hotel, open to the public. We also have a communion about 7 p.m. at the hotel, 900 Bellevue Way Northeast in Bellevue. The Bellevue Hyatt Regency is the location. And we continue uh, daily with our classes. We have uh, night services starting Saturday night with our brotherhood, our men. Uh, it will start Saturday night at 7, and uh, we'll have Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We have three, all of those services, Saturday through Wednesday. You can join us. And then on Wednesday night, we have our president's night. And you're welcome to come and join us and uh, let this president see how the Emerald City and the evergreen state of Washington does it. Our colors are royal blue and gold. Come and join us and show out uh, at our international convention. Monday night is Washington night. And we're asking everybody to come to our musical and our welcome program. We're wearing our green. Everybody come and bring your, wear your green and come bring your smiling faces to welcome everybody. And uh, you guys also have a, uh, a ad on the front page of the, of the Seattle Facts newspaper too, with a picture of you and uh, Ms. Payton with the information about the conference. So uh, why don't we go to uh, uh, President uh, uh, Dr. Payton, and uh, hear some words from her. Well, uh, I want to welcome you to the Martin Luther King Jr. County. It might be the Emerald City in Washington State, but this, Bellevue is in Martin Luther King Jr. County. So I want to make sure y'all know that too. So, Dr. Daniels? Thank you so much for having us on. We are delighted to be in Seattle and in the Martin Luther King County. Uh, it's been 35 years since the International Association of Ministers' Wives and Ministers' Widows have met here 
in Seattle. We are delighted to be hosted by the Washington State Chapter. Now Thornton is our state president and more than 300 ministers, wives and ministers, widows will be gathering here over the next few days um, as we are beloved sisterhood and we come together to encourage, to edify and enable each other. Thank you so very much for welcoming us to the Emerald City at Martin Luther King County. Uh, and I'm going to turn you over to our Vice President at Large, Dr. Janie Daniels. Good afternoon. And like Dr. Payton says, we are truly happy to be here in your city. And we're glad for the opportunity to be on your show. And we look forward to the great things that we have planned and the great things that Sister Nell Thornton and her ladies have planned for us as a hostess. 81st conference. And we are so happy again that you had thought of not robbery to invite us to join you on your podcast today. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Is there any 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 hist historical information, any additional information you want to impart with my listening audience? Yes, we want to invite your listening audience to come and join us at the Hyatt Regency. Bellevue. You are welcome any evening for our open sessions, uh, beginning Sunday evening with our communion service, uh, which a local, the Reverend Robert Jeffrey, will be the communion speaker. On Monday night, uh, welcome night, uh, you will be welcoming us to the city, uh, uh, to the state of Washington in the city of Seattle and the suburb of Bellevue. So we welcome you again on Tuesday night for our evening service, Wednesday evening for President's Night and Thursday for our gala banquet at 7 p.m. You have further comments, Dr. Dr. Daniels? Also with over the 300 delegates that will be coming here, our husbands, some of the husbands will be joining us also. And they will be about 75 husbands that will be joining us. And on Saturday evening, they will be having a special husband's worship service at 730. And you're more than invited to come out and be a part of that. Okay, uh, local chair, uh, Ms. Nell Thornton. Yes, uh, one, uh, two more items is that we have a president's breakfast on Wednesday and um, uh, I guess I could invite you to it, but I won't. It's 6.30 a.m. in the morning. But we also have a banquet on Wednesday at, um, ooh, what time is that? Thursday. Uh, no, that's not Wednesday. We have- You're talking uh, about the Legacy Luncheon. The Legacy Luncheon will be on Tuesday afternoon at 12.30 p.m. Right. And we will be honoring and recognizing Sisters, right from your area, Mrs. Addie B. Davis and Mrs. Oh, now Johnny Bunton. Okay, Ms. Mrs. Johnny Bunton is okay. uh, from Portland, Oregon. Uh, one of our founding members. Well, we have two sisters on the line right now. They deserve some honor, but uh, you guys have to be around this area. But you'll be hearing about them probably nationwide pretty soon with the work they're doing. So, yeah. uh, okay, as I mentioned, you guys do have a nice ad on the front page of the, of the Seattle Facts newspaper. It's on the front page. So hopefully they can deliver some of those papers over there now so that the folks from around uh, the country can see uh, the kind of work you've done locally. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Rye. Well, thank you all. Thank you. I appreciate you guys very much for the work you're doing. And I, I will be over there on Monday, I think, right, Ms. Nell? Yes, you're there on Monday for our, uh, 7.30 p.m. for the welcome program. Good. Well, I will not make the 6.30 breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. And I hope you have a, uh, a, a, a very good and uh, purposeful uh, uh, convention 
for the International Association of Ministers' Wives and Ministers' Widows at the Bellevue Hyatt uh, starting on Saturday. So they can get all the information on the facts newspapers on the front page. So thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome to the Northwest. Welcome to the Northwest. All right. Thank you. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a quick break and come back right after that. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest with a continuation uh, with uh, Kimmy Jan, who was talking earlier. Uh, I messed up and had her in too soon about what was happening out at the Clover Park School District. And we've been joined by another activist, Tamisha Lyons, who also was there as well. So Kimmy, why don't you wind up and then we'll go right to Tanisha. Yeah, and I'd like to have the opportunity before we sign off to let folks know of an event that's going to tie in where, where there's some community uh, engagement where folks can help with the struggle down here in Pierce County with the uh, Clow Park School District. But just to kind of bring what I had stated earlier, that the, uh, the need right now is to make sure that uh, community engagement and support to Superintendent Banner is essential now. He needs to know that he's protected and that he's supported and that regularly that people of color need to be in the audience at school board meetings because when they see our presence, they act differently. So we need to be there, be up front. Hopefully people will be comfortable in making testimony. You have up to three minutes to speak your mind, say what you need to say and support a superintendent banner as well as talk about the fact that we're not gonna have white supremacists on school boards that are making policy that, that, that negatively affect the educational services for black and brown children. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm encouraged that uh, more of the community show up at school board meetings, it's important. White supremacists are trying to take over local school boards. That's one of their power moves right now. And we as people of color cannot allow that to happen. And those that have been able to get on school boards, we must remove them. And that's what we're working on now through Vibrant Schools. And then the other work that Tanisha's doing through her agency, Tanisha Cares uh, down in the Clover Park School District. And Ms. Tanisha Lyons, Tanisha Cares, go right ahead. Yes. And so my main thing is making sure that we understand that there's a political push that is happening within our school districts. And this political push is to marginalize our communities, to make sure that there's an agenda of um, far right ideology and white supremacy and to silence the voice of anyone who is um, geared towards equitable services. And so um, within the Clover Park School District, we want to make sure that there's a push, um, that there's just a voice 
a loud voice that we as people of color are not going to sit back and allow our children to be sitting under policies that are going to um, create harm and not only create harm, but further induce the school to prison pipeline. Um, and so that's that's the whole push is to make sure that we're dismantling the school to prison pipeline and that we're not empowering white supremacy to take over our schools. What are the demographics of the Clover Park School District? What was the percentage of African-American students in that district? Um, I believe, well, first of all, let me just talk about, because it's Clover Park School District has transitioned from being predominantly white to predominantly non-white. Let's just talk to that point first, because we need to look at not just African-American children, we need to look at all children of color and those impacted by poverty, because that's what vibrant schools represents. Our organization's about eliminating the educational disparities for students of color and those impacted by poverty. I don't have that in front of me, Eddie, but I would I think I'm safe to say right now that in Clover Park Schools is probably running about 25% African American. Then you then you have you have uh, the Asian Pacific Islanders probably is the next major and then uh, and then the Latinx and then the Native American. So, but it's no longer a predominantly white school district. However, it's a predominantly white staff staff situation, which is another uh, you know another key thing that needs to be looked at. And and I have to say that um, many of the white teachers were at the school board meeting, stating that they were in support of Superintendent Ron Banner and want. Paul Wagaman removed as a school board member. And the, uh, the Clover Park uh, um, Education Association, their union wants Paul Wagaman off of the school board because he's talked about the teachers in the, in, in the, uh, in the Clover Park School District in, in derogatory ways. So there's a lot of different elements of support for Dr. For, for Superintendent Ron Banner, as well as making sure that the Clover Park school district policymakers, i.e. the school board, does not become a school board of white supremacist thinking. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about the superintendent himself, a little bit about his background? Yeah, he's been in the district for quite some time now. And uh, I believe his principal at one time, Tanisha knows a little bit more about, about the Clover Park, because her kids, both of her daughters went through the Clover Park school system. So I'm gonna yield to, to uh, Tanisha on that question. Yes, Superintendent Banner started out as a um, principal at Mann uh, Junior High School, which is now Claudia Thomas um, Junior High School. And he was hired, um, he worked as, I believe, as a superintendent um, interim um, until Debbie LeBeau um, left the district. And then he took over as um, the full-time superintendent, I believe. Um, one thing that... Um, I want to make sure that people also know is that even with the political agenda within the district, um, the campaign, the last school board race raised about $10,000. Dave Anderson raised about $10,000 to run for a school board. 5,000 is plenty typically to run for a school board. So I want to make sure that people understand too that there's a lot of money going in behind these candidates and that we are going to have to support um, candidates who are running for the school board, um, not just um, through voting, but also they need our help financially. They need us to go out and doorbell. They need us to go out and um, make phone calls. Um, that is going to be the thing that's going to help candidates win. A lot of candidates are losing, good candidates are losing these races because they don't have the financial backing and they don't have the support of the community who really, who say they want them in there <laughs> for change, but it's time to start putting the money where the mouth is. Yeah. And uh, so the, uh, this uh, superintendent, Ron Banner, is that his name? He's been the district for quite a while, so he's a well-known commodity. So yeah. it's not and as I stated earlier, Ron just received from the Washington State School Directors Association outstanding award for being one of the best superintendents in the state of Washington. He, he comes with a, a long, a long history of being uh, equitable, of, of being about students, about being about parents, about being about community and all of those aspects of excellence is how he was recognized by the Washington State Association of School Directors. You don't get that award by being just a, a Johnny come lately or lightweight. 
He's a heavyweight. He's done. He's done his due diligence, and for him to be disrespected as he is, he is being right now, and and being racially harassed, intimidated, and bullied by Paul Wagerman, the the uh, school board director, it's it's just comfortable. It's just it's just it, it, you know has a has community. We cannot allow our black leaders to be subjected to this kind of treatment. So uh, Tanisha is absolutely right, though, that it has moving forward to eliminate this this happening again to have two white rings of white supremacist school board directors on a school board we have to run candidates that are qualified but we have to support them it's 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 not just getting the vote out it's supporting them through the process so they can be elected so i just wanted to say one of the ways uh, your listeners can help um vibrant schools the League of Women Voters and the Tacoma chapter of the NAACP is hosting a symposium on July 16th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Evergreen State Tacoma Campus. The symposium is called Community, Civility, and Connections. And it's about how do we strategize for these kinds of things. And it's also supporting the Love Thy Neighbor Month for the, for the Tacoma Ministerial Alliance. So we as people of color have got to come together with due diligence. We've got to strategize. We've got to mobilize. We need to come up with action plans that we can execute to make sure that these kinds of things that are truly being institutionalized by white supremacist groups to take over schools through school board elections, we've got to stop it now that we see that that momentum is is running hard and heavy, and we've got, we've got to eliminate that. Plus, again, in summary, we've got to su support Superintendent Ron Banner as he goes through this process of um, taking legal action against a, a school board member who is racially, I mean, it's been documented, harassment, intimidation, and bullying. It's documented. It's happening. That was a, a study that was done by an outside entity? It was a full investigative by a lawyer, yes. Yes, independently done. And the complaint has been filed, which has the opportunity to go to the next level, which would be like a lawsuit. And again, I'm not speaking for Ron Banner. Ron Banner has not publicly said he was going to do a lawsuit, but that's always a possibility. And when you have a formal complaint utilizing the policies of a school district, as well as the wax and the RCWs of the state of Washington, you have an opportunity to take that out to a legal, legal arena. And that may happen. I'm not saying it is, but there's a strong possibility. Kimmy, could you give uh, our listening audience uh, the, uh, web, your website information or your contact information for Vibrant Schools? Yes, uh, we are Vibrant Schools 253. Again, that's Vibrant Schools 253 at gmail.com. And I'd be more than willing to give out my number. You can reach me at 253 273 2999. We've got to come together as a united people of color community and fight what looks like, I mean, it's like these folks are mobilizing big yeah. time, not just here in yeah, Pierce all County. The, all across it's, the country. It's all all across the nation. Yeah, it's all across the country. And, and Washington is a blue state. We, we're more progressive than a lot of these other states. We need to stay that way. We need to do our due diligence now, N-O-W now. And Eddie, I promise I won't use any profanity today. <laughs> Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you. <laughs> Like uh, I did last time. <laughs> Tanisha Cares, what about your contact information for people who want to work with you? And I also yes. want to let you know that I think if I write, if I say this two hours or so after this live program, this will be on my podcast and also on Alexa. So people can <laughs> tune in and hear all your comments 24-7 for the rest of the week until next Thursday. So go right ahead, Ms. Tanisha Lyons. Tanisha Cares. I can be reached at TanishaCares.com. That's T A N. I-E-S-H-A-C-A-R-E-S -E -E at gmail.com, or you can reach me through my website at TanishaCares.com. Okay, uh, what is the next move in terms of uh, uh, mobilization, or are we to the point now where it's going to be up to the courts or up to the superintendent to decide which direction he wants to go? Yeah, what, basically, what the, but, but in the meantime, we need, every time there's a school board meeting, people of color need to be there. And if you're not comfortable with testifying, that's okay. But to be present is important. We cannot allow policy decisions being made without us being in the room. Because to see us there, is, is, it, it, it changes the way some people think sometimes. And there's power in being in the moment, in the presence. 
And it was good uh, you had the just, black collective, but I, I understand uh, Mr. David Boyd was in all the policemen knew him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, and that's you know, Eddie. I have been at this a long time. I have never ever had to go to a school board meeting and have two, two uniformed police officers at school board. That's how contentious it is in Clover Park right now. They had two in uniform and probably seven, eight in plain clothes. <laughs> there might have been. <laughs> okay. All I know is I yeah. felt safe. I felt okay. safe that we had some. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I, Tanisha, I want to give you the last word. We're, we're out of time, but I, I really appreciate the work you guys are doing. It's very important. And like you said, Kimmy, this is an epidemic that's going around in all it school is. board meetings at the it lowest is. level of government, not the school districts are lower, but that mean in communities, uh, they're trying to have these right wing folks in there and I'm uh, they need to be called out. So, Tanisha, thank you very much. Tanisha cares. Yes. Um, my, I would like to say that, you know, everybody should be talking to their family members, your cousins, your aunties, your uncles, and asking them, are they registered to vote? And if they are not registered to vote, get registered to vote. Because if you don't vote now, what's going to happen when the um, election season, well, we're in election season already, but when it's time to vote for uh, these different races that are happening, you're going to see a big push for ideology that is not going to be beneficial to people of color. And so if we're not at the ballot boxes, if we're not mailing in our ballots, we're not going to have a say so in how this election goes. You're absolutely right. I want to thank Kimmy Jean and also Tanisha Lyons, Tanisha Cares and Vibrant Schools with, with Kimmy. Thank you all very much. I appreciate the work you're doing. And hopefully what you're doing will spread throughout the region so everybody will get busy. So we're yeah. going to take Eddie, a break. Eddie, thank you for up. the opportunity. Appreciate okay. you so much. Thanks for the great work you're doing. Thank you. Uh, okay. So we're going to take a break and come back with NAMC President Bob Armstead after this to hear about a historical Black organization. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. All right, Eddie Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest. I want to let people know that, uh, first of all, a a sad shout out of condolence. uh, Damon Allen, uh, the DJ known as The Doc, will be funeralized at First AME. Uh, on Friday, tomorrow at 11 o'clock a.m. And then my good friend, Louisiana homeboy, DeWitt Alvin Harris Jr. uh, will be funeralized at Mount Zion Baptist Church on Tuesday, June 28th at 11 o'clock a.m. And I want to also thank, you can hear, read about both of those guys in the Facts newspaper, but I want to thank the Port of Seattle University Construction Office with uh, Diversity Construction Office with me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, Reagan De- 
Reagan, uh, Josie Reagan. Uh, the Central Seattle Purchase and Construction Services Office, Liz Alzier. Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Diversity and Inclusion with John Tay Robinson at the helm. And I uh, also want to say a happy birthday to Ricky Pelhams. He'll be partying and singing at Rumba Notes on Sunday, June 26th, Sunday night. And like my next guest has been here the whole hour. That's Bob Armstead, president of the National Association of Minority Contractors, the Washington State chapter, and uh, wanted him to give a little historical overview of that organization that started in 1969. So Bob, go right ahead. Uh, okay, and, and, and after I do that, I, I would like to make for you to make the connection uh, with Seattle. Uh, NAMAC, the National Association of Minority Contractors, uh, like several other organizations, started after the assassination of Doc, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, if your audience remembers, uh, Dr. King was in Tennessee uh, supporting workers and businesses at the time of his assassination. Uh, the National Association of Minority Contractors is the oldest trade, minority trade association uh, in the United States, started 53 years ago in, uh, in 1969. Uh, it was started because of the lack of participation of Blacks, African-Americans, uh, in the construction industry. And the organization is open at this time to uh, all minorities and, and women that are in the construction industry, uh, be they actual uh, constructors or engineers or architects or suppliers or whatever line of work that they might be in. Uh, the organizational nationally uh, is in part responsible for the continuation of programs like the Disadvantaged uh, Business Enterprise Program, the DBE program at the Department of Commerce. As your previous guest uh, was speaking about the situation in Clover Park, where individuals and groups are actively attempting to, to change and uh, curtail things, there are efforts every year to, uh, to end the DBE program. And for your listeners, uh, I'm sure most, if not all of them know that for the last uh, 20 plus years, as a result of I-200, uh, the DBE program was the primarily vehicle for contracting for minorities in Washington state because because of an erroneous uh, assumption by uh, then Governor Locke, uh, the affirmative action programs in Washington State uh, ceased to be in existence. So we are, are currently in the process of uh, reinvigorating, rebuilding uh, the NAMAC Washington chapter. Uh, we are very interested in bringing on board younger members. Uh, we, at one point several years ago, had a relationship with uh, engineering and design schools at the University of Washington and Seattle University. We're going to bring those back. Uh, we're interested in developing relationships with uh, organizations like those that uh, Reverend Lawrence Willis has uh, on the, uh, the employment side. We want to bring all of the elements of the construction industry together so that people in our communities, if they have an interest in being a carpenter or an engineer or a supplier or a landscaper, whatever that might be, that we want them to be able to have advantage of those opportunities. And very quickly, uh, I, I would like to share with your audience the fact that, that many people perceive of programs like the, uh, the DBE program to be something other than what it is. What it is, is a decision by the United States legislature to try to ensure that all people 
have an opportunity to participate in construction and other programs that are financed through the United States government. In order for these programs to be in existence, they have to be voted in. If, for an example, all of the uh, minority and women uh, legislatures, legislators in the U.S. House of Representatives and U.S. Congress voted uh, not to support construction programs, we would not have the robust transportation and other agency uh, programs and contract and funding that we have in this state they're supporting something that their constituents are not able to partake of. And all citizens pay taxes. And the funding that comes in from these programs come as a result of the taxes that we pay. So it's not something that's being given. It's something that has been denied that we're trying to get back. Mm. So Bob, can you briefly just uh, 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 let folks know when the next uh, NAMC meeting is gonna be? We're encouraging people who are in business. You can be what an architect uh, uh, on a dump truck or be a carpenter uh, contractor, any other kind of contractor it can be uh, a member of NAMC, the Washington chapter. Yes, anyone in the construction industry, uh, whether it's a trade or a professional or a supplier, whatever it might happen to be. Our next meeting is June the 7th, Thursday evening from five July. to 6.30. July. It will, July, I'm sorry, July the 7th, uh, still focusing in June. Uh, it will be a virtual meeting from 5 to 6.30. Uh, the uh, website for, for NAMAC Washington, where you can go to get access to the meeting, is namcwa.com. Okay, Bob. That's all you have to do. Okay, and we'll follow up before that meeting with you again. And thank you for being, hanging in and being a guest for the whole hour today. We really, really appreciate you and appreciate your leadership. So thank you very much, brother. Okay, uh, once again, I wanna uh, let folks know that uh, my good friend Damon Allen will be funeralized on Friday, tomorrow at 11 o'clock a.m. at First AME Church. And my Louisiana homeboy, DeWitt Alvin Harris Jr. Uh, will be funeralized Tuesday uh, June 28th at Mount Zion Baptist Church at 11 o'clock a.m. And want to thank uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting uh, Office, Mian Rice, the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Office, Liz Alzir, and Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Diversity and Inclusion, John T. Robinson. Happy birthday, Ricky Pelham. You'll be jamming on Sunday night at the Rumba Notes Lounge. So thank you very much, and we'll talk with you again next week.